0: I'm going to ask you to turn to 2 Timothy, please, Chapter 4. 2 Timothy, chapter 4, please. And then there's two verses found in Hebrews. One of them's in chapter 4. And the other's in chapter 12. Hebrews chapters 4 and 12, if you'll turn. And then we'll come back to these verses, very familiar verses, and the last chapter of 2 Timothy. Wonderful sense of the Lord's presence in this room tonight. Awesome sense of His presence. Lord, never get accustomed to the presence of our Lord. We ought to always, if we... Hey, even after the service is over, somewhere alone, bow humbly before Him. Let Him know we appreciate when He visits us and gives us a sense of His presence and the blessings that's been ours to enjoy tonight. I don't know when I've enjoyed the music and the sense of the Lord's presence and what our brother, and sister had to say. Has been such a reality of His presence tonight. I'm especially grateful that I'm able to be here. I thought I, perhaps I was headed for jail today. So <laughs> I told my wife. I called her and told her they came after me today and almost got me. And she got the biggest laugh out of that. I said, "Well, it wasn't real funny to me." <laughs> The said, I heard you putting a lot of stuff away. I need to find out what you, where you hid headed at. <laughs> I'd, uh, I'm on the second floor, and uh, I, instead of turning the air on, I opened a window so I could have a little draft in there so I wouldn't, you know, and reading and studying some. And I did that early, and I noticed all these police cars coming in. All of them have, have a dog with them. And, you know, they're just all over the place. And I thought, great day. There's somebody around here after. Sure as the world four or five of them. I looked out there later and there's probably a dozen. And now, A little later, 25, 30. I put my window down, closed the, pulled the blinds to. A few minutes I heard a knock on my door. <laughs> he said, uh, you Mr. Hurt, you will be hurt? And I said, yes, sir. He said, I have, an, have a warrant for your arrest. <laughs> And then he proceeded to tell me that Ken Tribbett has sworn a warrant out for me. (laughs) I said, if you'd put him in jail, this city would be better off. Amen. (laughs) I was over in Virginia and the preacher I was preaching for, he's some official there in the city. He's a councilman. And I heard a noise out there early one morning. I'm in a little motel out, you know, and I heard, and I'm on the first floor. In fact, it's, well, it's two floors, but I'm on the first floor, and my car is right in front. They have a dog and everything out there, sniffing all around my car. <laughs> and uh, I heard, I could hear his voice. He's got a unique voice. You know what I'm talking about. He says he's got dope in that car. I said, uh, brought it down here from Indiana. said, he's in that room right there. <laughs> So I don't know what we're going to have to do with these preachers. Amen. Brother <laughs> Tom, that that touched my heart. God bless you, brother. Good to welcome all of our guests and a special blessing to welcome these preachers. Take time out of your busy schedule and to be with us. I had two preachers to call me yesterday. Well, I guess I talked to three or four from out of the state, but two. And... uh each of them, they told me right up front, said uh, one call back because I wasn't ready uh, to spend that much time, <clears throat> so uh, in fact they'd called at home and then I told my wife what time I'd take the calls, and uh, each of them, and they're from different states, they had a similar problem, and I use part of what I want to share this evening in part with trying to help those men of God. One of them I've preached for him uh, all 30 years, I'm sure. The other, I've been going to his church annually for probably five or six years. Heavy, heavy is both of them's burden. One in particular has enough on him for a dozen people. I was reminded of a verse that God says for us to remember those that's Bound those that's in trouble, those that's burdened, as if we were there ourselves. I've tried to pray for them. These, at least in part, these verses tonight was brought to my attention again. Couldn't get away from them. And God just wants me to share it this evening. Paul is writing his last letter. He's aware that his life is coming to its end. And he's writing to one very close to him. It appears as I study his life that this one he's writing to is perhaps has a relationship that the others in his inner circle does not have. He seems to be very close to him. Verse 6 of chapter 4, he says, I'm now ready to be offered the time of departures at hand. I've fought a good fight. I've finished my course. I've kept the faith. Henceforth, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, Shall give me it that day, and not to me only, but unto all of them, excuse me, unto all of them also that love his appearing. And then he's rather personal, uh, talking to Timothy about some uh, different ones by name. And then look with me to save a little time at verses 16, 17, and 18. Paul is closing now, and he's opening his heart to this young preacher. And uh, I think in the moment if the Lord helps us, we'll get some insight, I trust, in what's on his heart and his closing words to someone very close to him. He says, at my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. I pray, God, that it may not be laid to their charge. Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. That by me, the preaching might be fully known, and that all the Gentiles might hear, and I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion, and the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work, and will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom, to whom be glory for ever and ever. Amen. Now we're going to come back as the Lord leads us here in a moment to preach from those three verses, look at Hebrews twelve. Hebrews chapter 12, and that'll be verse 15. Writer of the book of Hebrews says to these uh, early saints of God, looking diligently lest any man fail of the grace of God. Now let me comment, he's writing to a people that already has a relationship with God. Writing to a people that knows God. And in essence, if you let me sort of paraphrase a part of it, he's saying to him, looking diligently, lest you fail to appropriate, to lay hold of, to make the grace of God part of your experience. Lest any man fail of the grace of God. Lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you and thereby many be defiled. Notice it's just a root of bitterness, but it troubles the individual. And then many, he didn't say how many, many is affected by this one person's bitterness. When he fails to appropriate God's grace in a difficult time, in a time of pressure, when he's not laying a hold of grace to overcome this situation and problem, he says there is that possibility, if you fail of the grace of God, a root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Chapter 4, the same book, the last verse of that chapter, says, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Now he just said in the earlier verse, be careful that you don't fail, don't fail to appropriate, lay hold of the grace of God. And here he's admonishing them to come with confidence, come boldly, come openly, come freely. Come to the throne of grace. Come in there, he says, you can in mercy. And you'll find grace to help in time of need. I pick up on that last line in that verse, help in time of need. This dear preacher, if I called his name, many of you in this room would recognize his name. He said, Brother Hurd, he was kind to me. He said, I've... Mentioned you as my preacher, though I've never been a member of your church. But I've often referred to you as my pastor. He said, I have a great need. And he went ahead to tell me, this was the first preacher that called me. He went ahead to tell me and uh, he said, "I I probably have to go somewhat in detail. He spent an hour, he's halfway across the country. He spent an hour opening his heart, and he said, Brother Heard, if you need to be pointed with me, don't spare my feelings. He said, I got your tapes, the 20 years you was in the pastorate, I heard you preach uh, Sunday morning and Sunday evening, all of those years. And he said more than once, I've heard you say you can open your heart to someone that cares for you and they won't put you down. So he said, I'm just going to open my heart to you. He said, I'm in trouble. The burden's heavy. The need is great. And so he did. And uh, while he's going somewhat in detail... My prayer, and I was reminded where the Lord said if we like wisdom, uh, we're to ask God. My understanding of wisdom is having God's perspective. Seeing things from God's viewpoint. And while He's sharing His heart, I said, Lord, what do I need to say to your servant? What scripture? What truth? I could give an opinion. I said in my own spirit to him while he's talking, I'm talking to the Lord. I said, Lord, a lot of things are running in my mind, but I want your word. And when it's all over, he said, "What's?" he used the word counsel. What's your counsel to me? And I made reference to what I feel the Lord wants me to just spend a little time with tonight. In these verses, there's three areas of our lives that sooner or later, all of us is going to have need of God helping us. Writer of the book of Hebrews said that we can come to the throne of grace boldly. We can obtain mercy, mercy for our failures, and then we can find grace to help us in our time of need. And here's this mighty apostle taking his pen, and at the close of his life, and I've read where people have speculated how much time he had left. Of course, we're not sure of that. But Paul's aware that his departure is at hand. And out of that awareness, he picks up his pen and he writes this farewell letter to this close preacher boy. And Paul just saw in these three verses. I think Paul is saying, Timothy, I'd like to share with you some areas of my life where God especially helped me. Of course, the implication, understanding sooner or later, he's going to need God to help him in those areas. And in these three areas tonight, there's there's three places where sooner or later, every man, every lady, every young person listen to me, we're going to have need of God helping us uh, at some point in our life. Look at verse 16, Paul writing at my first answer. Now Timothy would have got a hold to that. Uh, Quicker, perhaps, than most of us do. That's technical language. Uh, That's courtroom terminology. And Paul makes reference to a time when he was summons before a judge. Uh, Prior to this time that he's been tried, sentenced, and waiting now for execution. But he's writing to Timothy and he says that my first answer, the idea behind it, is when Paul gave an answer in his own defense. He said, Timothy, no man stood with me. Wasn't a soul there. I was all alone. I got to thinking about it. I mean, if anyone deserved a line of people to be been at court with him, on his behalf, standing with him, it was this mighty apostle. But here he is picking up his pen and saying, Timothy, I want you to be aware there was a time that I stood alone and, and, and no man stood with me. Even to add to that, notice he says, all men forsook me. Now if I didn't know better, I'd almost expect to this one to be saying, Timothy, I'm praying to God that he'd get even with them. I'm praying that God will take my my part. They let me down. They disappointed me. They didn't stand with me. Look, he said, Timothy, there was a time I stood alone. Implication is, uh, Paul is a realist. Paul, uh, he faced things head on. Implication, Paul expected somebody to be there. They should have been there. But they let him down. And Paul says, my prayer to God is this, that he will not lay this to their charge. You say, Brother Hurt, what's the point? Well, let me just suggest that Paul is saying, Timothy, there'll come a day that you're going to need grace for your disappointments in life. I picked up on it at least four times. And the preacher said, the disappointment is just about more than I can handle. He said the suddenness of it. Twice he said, I, I couldn't. I can't imagine that. And, and he made reference, and I, I don't know in detail. And I told him I prefer him not to mention so many names, though. It, and that was beside the point. And when I responded to him, I I said, "Brother, don't don't take this in a, in a way as if I'm, you know, saying it to put you down." You asked for my counsel, and I said to you, said to him, in my response to him, I said this. I said, "Do I detect some ill will?" Do I detect detect some bitterness? Am I correct in saying I detect some resentment? He said, I need help. And I said, there is help for you. God has grace to help us with our disappointments in life. Now you listen to me. Here's this mighty apostle. He's moving off the scene, writing to a young preacher, writing into the depths of his heart, coming to him about something that was very personal, and said, Timothy, if you let me paraphrase it, at my first court appearance, at his arraignment, really, when he was there, Paul said, not one person stood with me. They all left me. They left me standing alone. But he said, my prayer to God is this that He won't lay it to their charge. Now, you have to have grace to pray a prayer like that. When someone should have stood with you, someone ought to be with you, but instead of standing with you, they leave you, they forsake you. And here's this apostle, and I think the greatest credential to Christianity is the mighty apostle Paul. He's my hero of the New Testament, and, and in the close of his life, he's not a cynical, bitter, mad old man. He's full of grace. Oh, disappointed, yes. I, I repeat, he's he's a realist, and he said, Timothy, I want you to know these things can happen in life. They will happen. People will let you down. But there's grace for you, You know, i got to think about that. That prayer wasn't original with him. Many years prior to this, as a younger man full of zeal, but not knowing truth. I made reference to it Sunday morning here, how he was breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the people of God. Thought he was doing God's service. And even was there in charge when a spirit-filled deacon was stoned to death by the name of Stephen and looked him in the face, and he heard him pray. And you know what his prayer was? His prayer recorded in Acts chapter 7 and verse 60. He said, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. He never got away from that prayer. Many years later, this mighty, spirit-filled apostle is dying. And he never, ever got away from looking in the face of a spirit-filled deacon. And heard him graciously pray. People stoned him to death. I mean, people knocking the life out of him. And he's not saying, God, judge them. God, get even with them. Oh, no. Stephen, with the love of God in him, he said, Lord, don't put this on their charge. But you know, that prayer wasn't original with that deacon. Our Lord hanging on the cross. And the first words that came from his blessed lips was, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. You've been disappointed. It's almost like asking, Are you human? <laughs> that's what that's the stuff life's made out of. People disappoint us. We disappoint one another. Oftentimes, and as the preacher said, the sadness of it. It all came from a source that he, he never dreamed. And, and he said, I, I never realized this situation was like this, preacher. I repeat, burden is so heavy. And in his voice, see bitterness. If we're not, people detect our bitterness in our voice. When they look at it, they see it in our countenance. Now, listen. Uh, a root of bitterness. A root is something that seems insignificant. It's unseen. It's out of sight but it don't stay out of sight. If we do not deal with bitterness, it has a way of coming out from where it's at. And the Bible then pictures it springing up and says, many are defiled thereby. Oh, I, I started to say when I was a young preacher, I'm not a real old preacher yet, amen. But uh, this is 35 years ago. And I thought about it this afternoon. I guess it was probably, as I begin to think about it, I suppose that it was probably, in those days, one of the heaviest burdens that I ever encountered. And, it involved a disappointment. And all that disappointment, I, I, I couldn't handle it. And it, and it almost floored me and discouraged me and almost defeated me. It almost resulted in bitterness. And it, and it was over such a little insignificant thing. And I've been wrestling with it. I sat there a moment ago. And the Lord seemed to impress me. I want you to tell that. And I said, Lord, you know, uh, uh, let me, let me just leave that alone. But, you know, confession's good for the soul. Don't help your reputation a whole lot. Amen. First Christmas, I, we, I had the privilege of with a little small group starting a church. God was so good to us. We started in the late summer, early fall. It was, I think, 13, 14 of us in our first gathering. And then the first time we met in a public worship, probably 20 some of us. And with Christmas, God has, He's laid His hand on us in a special way. We bought a, a building that a church vacated and went out on the interstate and built a new building. And, and, and we bought their property, but this time now in Marinage. Brother Steve, you remember the old West Side Church in Indianapolis. Oh, how God put his hand on that small group of people. It's now Christmas. There's probably a hundred people, maybe over a hundred now there by Christmas. Christmas Eve was the midweek service. And uh, they wanted to be nice to the preacher. And they well, the deacon said after the service, said, we, uh, we need a few minutes. And, and they had some gifts. And you know Levi, my uncle, Roy. Roy saved out of a nightclub life, played the guitar and sing. He did special singing for us when we first started. And then Murray, you know Murray, he he was the assistant pastor. You got 13 members, I guess you need a assistant, amen. And so he is the assistant pastor. And uh, Mrs. Mundell, bless her members, she's with the Lord now. She was so appreciative of a church coming to her community. She's an invalid. They'd pick her up, she's in a wheelchair. She brought Levi, he's my... My uncle, my mother's background's Jewish, and, and uh, so Roy, he was there, and uh, then Murray was there, and uh, then the pastor, and she brought each of us an identical gift, wrapped the same way, same size. She gave Levi his, she gave Murray his, she gave me mine. And so they opened theirs. Everybody's gone now, but just uh, uh, Levi's my uncle, Murray's my cousin, so now it's just family members. And so they opened their gift from Mrs. Mundell. And it was a fruitcake. Just, you know, one of those little square deals long like that. And she'd slit the paper in the end of it and put a crisp new $100 bill. And that's 35 years ago. $100 then would be like, what, 5 now more? And Roy opened his friend and he said, man I'm alive. $100. Oh, Murray's getting his open. <laughs> Look at here. $100. He looked at me and said, open yours, preacher. And I said, no, we don't open our gifts till, till in the morning. <laughs> I'm going to take this home. And I did. On the way home, my wife said, wasn't that wonderful? Wasn't that gracious of Miss Mundell to uh, do what she did, to give us this uh, cake and that money? And I said, yeah, but uh, I said, you know, Levi, he don't preach at all. <laughs> and Murray, he's just the sister. <laughs> don't get ahead of me. She said, what are you implying? I said, well, you know, <laughs> I'm a, you know, I'm a senior pastor, amen. (laughs) Got home and couldn't wait in the morning. I opened it. I looked on this side, turned it over, looked on this side. I looked under it, (laughs) looked over it. It It's just a cake. (laughs) And I'm sure that. You know, my wife must have been reflecting my countenance. She began to look sad, and I said, that's not right. I said, anybody tell you that's not right? That's not fair. I said, go in there and call her and see if she forgot to put that money in ours. (laughs) (laughs) I told you I'm ashamed to tell you that. My wife said, you're crazy. I'm not calling that woman. Finally, you know, I guess I was lifting my voice. She said, settle down. I didn't do it to you. (laughs) I'm being honest. See, some of you know this. I'm a baker by trade. I I don't brag about it, but I've made fruitcakes for the thousands of pounds. We used to own a bakery, and and my family was baked. And and I I don't brag about it. I don't guess I know a lot now. But then I can look at a fruitcake and tell you whether it's quality or not. I even fussed about the cake. I said, this is a cheap cake she gave us. Not even a good cake. I told you, I'm sorry and I'm ashamed. That's been 35 years ago. Oh, I fussed and fumed. God hears this the next morning. See, I prayed for our members by name. on won't brag about it, but I prayed for them family by family daily. church was still the size I could do that my time alone early before the kids was up and opened gifts that morning. And in fact, we just had the two children then and both of them small, but it, uh, before we got to, uh, got, got to open gifts, I got in my study off the side there to the house and I'm with the Lord. I'm being honest with you. I came across Roy Levi. I prayed for Carol, his wife. <laughs> I prayed for their girls. I didn't want Roy to get a blessing. He done got one. Amen. <laughs> I came to Murray. I prayed for Linda. I prayed for Vernon Jr. I prayed for those twin girls. I didn't pray for Vernon. I didn't want him blessed, amen. Listen to me, I'm talking about disappointment. I'm talking about getting grace to keep from getting bitter over your disappointments. I've never, I don't claim to hear God audibly, but He then is just such an ignorant uh, young preacher who knew nothing hardly about the scriptures. I was down on my face trying to pray and God seemed to say to me, what if your people knew you like I really know you? What if they know what's really going on in your spirit? Some of them tell their boys to look up to you and follow your example. What if they what if they knew that you're little and mean? God seemed to say to me, don't take this wrongly, but uh, I, I suppose they needed that $100 more than I did at that time. God seemed to say, you didn't rejoice with those that's rejoicing. God seemed to say, I'm in control of this. She didn't do it to you. Oh, I got down on my face. I can't tell you how God got a hold of me. I came back out. I said to my wife, I said, honey, could I get you to do me a favor? She said, "What?" Well, I said, uh, will you promise not tell how I acted in here last night? <laughs> she said, don't worry. I'd be embarrassed to tell that. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> and we didn't tell us all. So I mean, that's 35 years ago. I was out visiting sometime after that. And I was either with Roy or with Vernon, I don't remember which one. And I think it's Roy. And, and I was driving, was going to call him. And he said, man, wasn't it wonderful? we passed by where she lived. Wasn't it wonderful? H- how gracious Miss Mundell was to cri- at Christmas. And I said, wonderful. Couldn't even look. I looked after her. I said, wonderful. <laughs> I went back in the pastorate in 1975. It's Christmas now. I went back in the pastorate. And this is the first Christmas. Uh, Levi's there and Murray's there. And uh, one of the deacons, uh, he came and he asked me not to dismiss. They had something to to do, and I hadn't told that in those years. But I told it just a week or so before. They couldn't believe it, especially Levi and and Murray. They told me later, man, we thought she probably gave you $500. I said, fine, nothing. She didn't give me anything. (laughs) Cake. So I told that. And we all laughed and some wanted to cry. And now it's Christmas a week or two later. And one of the good deacons said, Pastor, I need to say a word. And when he came to the platform, he had a gift and he said, we need you to open this now. And I opened it and this time it's round. It's in a metal box. I saw the name of it. I knew right. That's Cadillac of the business. Amen. And it had a hole in the middle and it had a note. I read it. He said, won't you read to the church? He said, we're sorry that you was left out back yonder when you started. <laughs> said, here's the hundred dollars that you didn't get then. And, and we've tried to accurately figure up the interest, what it's been through the years. We put the interest in there. Plus, here's one for this year. <laughs> I've been telling that story regularly now. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> oh. You'll need grace. Yours may not be a fruitcake. It may not be a $100 you miss. But I promise you there's going to be some disappointment in your life that you're going to need God's grace, God's favor, God's blessing to keep you from getting bitter. Life is too short to go through it being bitter and crippled by this bondage of bitterness in life. I close by just simply saying this. Paul said to young Timothy, Timothy, God helped me with grace for my bitterness. Then he says, Timothy, I want you to know God helped me by giving me strength for my trials. Timothy is a trying time, he was saying. Timothy is a difficult time. And though all of these men left me, notice what he says, notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me. Paul, what's he doing? He said, Timothy, the Lord stood with me and he strengthened me. Oh, what a good testament to the glory of God our dear friends were up here a moment ago. Stood here gracefully in the touch of God and the tenderness of the Lord on them and telling us how the Lord has stood by them through their trial, giving Him glory. Oh, they'll come. That's part of life. man that's born a woman's few days and full of trouble. Those days is going to come and Paul saying, Timothy, though when that disappointment came, I I didn't get bitter. I wasn't resentful. I wasn't vindictive. I wasn't trying to fight them back. God gave me grace for my disappointments. Timothy, God gave me strength for my trials. And then he says, Timothy, I want you to know God gave me hope at the end of my life. Look how he put it. He said, uh, he was delivered once from the mouth of the lion and those that have greater insight in the scripture now refer that he's talking about the the uh, Nero here. As far as we know, Paul was never he 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 never faced the literal lion, so it makes reference to God. had delivered him once. He'd been in prison and he was set free. And then he looks beyond his present situation. Look at verse 18. Though he mentioned the Lord did deliver him out of the mouth of the lion, now he says, and the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work, every adverse work. And he'll preserve me. How long, Paul? Unto his heavenly kingdom. To whom be glory forever and ever. When I'm on the road, there's hardly ever a day that my wife don't give me new names to put on the prayer list. I wrote, I've written some down this week on a special list. One of them, preacher said, tell Brother Hurt. My wife has such a short time now. I can hardly believe this. Family that's so close to us. Ah, uh, he, they're what, sixty, early sixties. They're a family that blesses us with their music. They sing. If I'm in 50 mile radius of Indianapolis, they come to all of my meetings. They've been doing that for 25 years. Such a close, dear, uh, family to us. And a few months ago, she was hoarse. She said to me, I'm sorry. I can't, I'd ask her to sing the a song that went with my message that night. And, uh, she, she attempted to, but she said, I'm hoarse. The test showed that it was more than just some hoarseness. She has a tumor in the lungs. They operated and thought they got it, but now they found a few days ago it's moved. It's in the brain now. They said, Ask Brother Hurt to please hold us up. Said, It's so hard on the children, especially the grandchildren. Trials, burdens, heartaches. Preacher called and said, "Brother Heard, I just wanted to tell you, I'd had had you praying for a boy. Said he died today. Called me a few days ago. Said would you pray for us through this time? It's so difficult. It's so hard. I'd recommend him. He was getting ready to go to candidate in the church in Alabama, and he said it's such a such a trial on our faith." Said in particular, it's hard on all of us that my wife is so struggling. Would you, would you put us on a special prayer list through this time? Oh, I'm glad God's got strength for our trials. But when you come to the end of the way, I pastored for 20 years. We used to have funerals every week. We was in a community where there was a couple chapels and We made ourselves available. I had two associates. Some of us was preaching funerals almost daily. If it wasn't part of the family that we served, it was other people in the community that didn't have a preacher. And it gave us opportunity to reach those families. So we just made ourselves available. Those two associates preached most of the funerals. When I was available, I'd go and help, of course. But oh, how many times we've been by the side of the bed of a saint of God when they knew the end was near. I could tell you some things. Some of you think I... it sounds almost incredible how God would come to some of His people right at the close. Who was it? John Wesley said, Our people die well. (laughs) And he's saying, Timothy, the end is here. But I just want you to know, someone said Paul had run out of time, but he hadn't run out of hope. (laughs) He said, I want you to know I've got assurance right here at the end. Aren't you glad God can help us in those areas? Grace for disappointment, strength for trials, and He can give us assurance and hope and confidence at the end of the way. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. (laughs) Thank you for being prayerful tonight. Sense of the Lord's presence is in this room in a precious way this evening. God's talking to a whole lot of us. Some of us, He wants to just come and kneel and appropriate His grace. Just get a fresh touch and fresh blessing of his grace tonight. Don't fail of the grace of God. You, you may be struggling. Uh, sometimes you're disappointed in yourself. It'll get you down. Sometimes you had hopes and dreams and all of a sudden you, you're aware that that's not going to materialize. If you're not careful the suddenness of that will floor you. God said, I've got grace for that. Lay hold of the grace of God so a root of bitterness don't spring up. Come to the throne. Come to the throne of grace boldly. God's got a throne you can come to. He's a gracious God. That's how God wants to relate to us. That's the only way He can relate to us is graciously, mercifully. I sense all over the room, He wants a number of us. Just come talk to Him. Some are doing it. Don't miss God tonight. You're facing a trial. God's got strength for you. See, He is our strength. Paul said He stood there. It was the Lord with Him that strengthened Him. Would you stand with me all over the room? We're standing with our heads bowed. Eyes closed. Hearts and attitude of prayer. Preacher will be coming. A number, number of folks already here. Just, just slip out and come on. God won't. The best time in the world to do business with him is while he's speaking. You're unsaved tonight. Don't miss God. Our Father sealed this to our hearts. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You have time to do business with God. Don't miss him tonight. Come on. God bless you. Just slip out and come on. He giveth more grace as the burdens, as the burdens grow, greater. grow greater. Oh, such appropriate song tonight. He sendeth, he sendeth more. Come on. You don't, grace don't talk to him, just slip out and meet him right here. Don't miss God tonight. In